I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family-style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle, and I'm here with Karen. Hello. We are talking about teaching tolerance today. And this is specifically about teaching your kids to be accepting and understanding of people who are different than they are. And we are all different than other people. Sometimes we're the ones that are the different ones. And other times there's someone in their midst that is standing out as, as different in some way. And it's important to teach kids to be kind and loving towards everyone, even if it's not something that you want to embrace or accept into your own lifestyle. You know, you, you need to be kind to people. Yeah, this is an interesting topic because the wrong time to teach it is when it's too late. Because then your kids have already been intolerant. They've already hurt someone. And so this is something that we try to incorporate ahead of time. And it's really easy if you're homeschooling to look for the lessons in tolerance as you go along and you're learning about other countries and other people and other places. And so we just want to give some ideas today for how we've helped our kids learn to be more tolerant. Yeah. So the first the first thing is that to be tolerant doesn't mean you have to agree with someone or participate in their beliefs or, you know, like incorporate their ideas. It it just means that basically you need to be kind no matter who it is. Right. Tolerance is the understanding of beliefs and values and traditions that are different from your own. It's not accepting it or validating it or any of that. It's just understanding it. And that's a stretch from saying, we're going to incorporate all of these things. We learn about holidays and foods and things like that from all over the world. But I don't actually have my family eat those constantly and celebrate every holiday from every other belief system and every other country and all of that. So to be tolerant doesn't mean that you have to incorporate all of the things. But it's important to experience some of them so that you can understand other people. Yeah, and we're going to talk about when you're tolerating someone who's different, there are two fundamental kinds of differences. One is a difference in someone that they have no control over. For example, if someone has a disability, they have no control over that. If they have a different color of skin than you have, if they were born in a different country, if they are a different sex or a different height or a different hair color, those are fundamental parts of a person that they cannot change. And then the second type is a cultural difference. It might be a different religion, a different um, social custom, a different language. And those things can be changed or adapted. But both kinds of differences are important to be understanding about. But it's good to compartmentalize them and to understand that some people can't change things about themselves. And there are things that that can be changed. For example, if someone has a cultural practice, that is very different from their skin color. One thing is a choice and the other thing is not. But you teach your kids to be tolerant on both of those, right? Yes. But I, I think it's important to realize, though, that sometimes you want to be tolerant and understanding. But in other situations, you need to teach your children to take a stand against something that's wrong. So just because someone does something in another culture and it's their culture and they grew up with it, you don't have to just say, well, it's a different culture, so we're just going to let them get on with treating women as second-class citizens. You know, it's okay to take a stand sometimes and say, you know, that's really not okay. It doesn't matter where you're from. But 
for the purposes of this discussion, we're mostly going to talk about understanding and enjoying differences in other people right. instead of condemning them. There are definitely times that we celebrate in our world's history where people have stood up and said, this isn't okay. And it's happening today. I mean, we're still saying, what changes do we need to make so that we are more tolerant and kind and good and accepting of the people around us who are different than we are? And it's good that we stop and examine and take a stand. But we're focusing today on a different vein, really. We're talking about appreciating cultures, about exploring the world's peoples and seeing the vast and really interesting differences that there are among people on this planet. Sometimes we get in our little bubbles and we think everybody kind of lives the way that we do. And actually, you probably live so differently than most of the world, no matter who you are. Especially <laughs> when you're talking about historically, you know, like if you talk about all of human yeah. experience. What we're experiencing is unique. It's, it's different. You're the different one, if you think about it that way. So, Karen, don't you think that it's normal for people to fear otherness, like things that are outside of their experience? I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually. I was, in my mind, I was going, why is it that if someone is dressed differently than me, I can't help but look at them or notice the differences? We tend to just naturally notice the differences. Even if I want to be a very tolerant person and I strive for that, innately within us, we notice the differences. And I think it's instinctual. I don't think it's... I think it is too. And, and I, I don't think that... Just because something is natural or instinctual doesn't mean that it's good. So, you know, we have a lot of natural tendencies as human beings that we have to fight against. You know, there's a natural tendency to want to dominate other people, but we shouldn't ever do that, mm -hmm. you know, for example. So I think it's natural and normal for people to fear something that's other or different but that doesn't mean that we should, oh, well, if it's natural, then let's just do it. <laughs> you know? I think the key becomes we're going to notice it. Our eyes are going to turn to the difference. You know, we're going to see it. But our response is where it matters. Right. If then we stare and go, something's wrong with them. And you know, cut if, them out of our social groups. and yeah. Yeah. If that's the approach we take, that's where we steered wrong. So noticing a difference is not a problem, I don't think. It's that when you notice the difference, you have to be able to learn about it. You have to wonder. And I don't think it's so wrong that we ask people. I think often we go, oh, look away, look away, look away. And sometimes we should just ask. Yeah. The, the other day I was at a, actually a scout thing with my kids. The, the parents were invited to come. Mm -hmm. And one of the parents had this big tattoo on her shoulder. And normally I wouldn't like draw attention to it. But I asked her, I was like, what is that? What does your tattoo mean? Why did you get it? Because it was an interesting tattoo. And she told me the story and she seemed like she was happy to tell about it. Like she enjoyed being able to tell the story. Right. And we have a little friend. She's a little girl who is mostly deaf and she's adorable and wonderful and we love her in every way. But if you look closely, you'll notice one of her ears is actually mostly gone. You know, she, she doesn't physically have an ear on one side, so she can actually hear a little bit better on the other side. But in general, I think her family would rather be asked about it than for everyone to just stare and point and, and wonder, wonder, yeah. you know, often when we have differences, we are prepared to tell you about them. We don't mind telling you about them, but we don't really want to be ostracized for them. 
So it's okay as long as you go with a learning approach to people who are different. Don't you think that kids are much more likely to ask questions? <laughs> like, like they don't little, have filters. <laughs> yeah, they don't. And I think sometimes it's good that they will just ask the person in the wheelchair, how come you're sitting in a wheelchair? Or what is that chair you're sitting in? You know, whatever the child asks. And the person can answer and it's that was the end of it. I think fairly often people with differences, it's not like you're the first person who noticed their difference. <laughs> you know, they're used to it. And some differences, I mean, even just regional differences, like a different accent that you have or anything like that. I'm sure that people who are listening to us right now think that we have an accent, Michelle. And you and I would say, no, we don't. We have no <laughs> accent at all. I mean, we know that we do. But to yeah. us, our normal is the way that we speak. And everyone else has an accent. But to someone who had an accent in our books, you know, they would hear us and tell us we have one. Yeah. But anyway, all of us have differences. And the differences that we have, we tend to get asked about or noticed. And most people don't mind if you go in genuinely wanting to know and, and not ostracizing. Right. I heard a quote one time, and I'm not going to say it exactly right, but paraphrased, it's something like, your first thought isn't the problem, it's your second thought. Exactly. Like, your first thought is what pops into your head, and you have, don't have much control over it usually. But your second thought, in, in other words, the second one is your choice. Okay, I'm writing that down, and I'm going to have that be a morning meeting for our homeschool, because like, our morning time needs good discussions, and that would be a great it is, discussion. It is a good discussion. Yeah. yeah. But that's perfect. We are going to notice the differences. Our first thought is going to be, oh, they're different. And then if we take the time to actually learn a little bit, they don't seem quite as different. We connect. We see what we have in common. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question, Karen. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> it is an uh-oh. Because... Okay. So when you have a, when your children are young, especially when they're little and you're in the grocery store or at church or wherever, and they pop out the question to some stranger, how come your skin is dark? Or how come you're in that wheelchair? Or how come you don't have a leg? What do you do? I feel like every parent in the whole world has this like flight response when that happens. <laughs> no, yes, I agree. Like you just want to whisk the child away and abandon the grocery cart. Rewind carton. time. <laughs> yes. But you can't, you know, so I think since it already happened, you know, since they made the statement, just like I said, you should ask the person or approach or learn. I think that should become often a learning moment. And I don't think that it should be a learning moment where you don't involve the person they were talking about because they know they were talked about. Yeah, they're standing there. They're standing right, right there. They already heard it. So, you know, if no one was wiser I might actually whisk my child away and say, hey, let me explain that to you. But if it was already spoken, if they already said it, I think it's better to teach the lesson out loud right there to let the person and the kid know, hey, we all have differences. Well, and differences are normal, I guess. If you, if you more whisk them away and you hide it, then maybe the kid thinks this is not okay. We shouldn't be talking about this. And, you know, you send maybe the wrong message. Yeah. Instead, I think that you have to model the tolerance instead of acting like, oh, they're so different. We can't talk. You know, instead you model the tolerance and you like, for example, when I had my little daughter in the grocery store, this was many, many years ago because now she's not a little daughter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but when she was probably two or three, there was a man in our grocery store who was black, 
but he was super, super, super dark. She had seen people who were black lots of times, but he had really, really dark skin and she was staring at him. And I just made a comment. I said, doesn't he have beautiful skin? I modeled the tolerance instead of whisking her away and freaking out. And I think you have to do that sometimes. What would you do? I've, I've had the flight response. <laughs> <laughs> I think every parent sometimes has that flight response yeah. when their kid says too much. But yeah, I, th- I think what I would do is briefly explain it and then move on, you know, and then, and then later take the child and explain it maybe further, depending on the situation, you know. I think often the real lesson and discussion comes later, but the reaction is important in the moment too. Yeah. And I, I feel like if you have a small child who is saying things like that, people understand little kids don't have filters. It's fine. But if you have a 12 year old saying stuff like that, you've got a problem. So, you know, somewhere in between there in those, in those ages, you have to teach them preemptively, you know, this is how we treat people. And I think that's one of the most awesome things about homeschool is the opportunity that we have to do those things incorporated right into our lessons. You know, we, we don't, yeah, you don't have to have it happen in the grocery store. If you've already learned about people who are different and they've seen and celebrated so many differences ahead of time, you know? Yeah. And, and we do that mostly, I would say with history and geography. That's yeah. where, that's where we fit it into our academic studies, but also in our read alouds. We, when we read often, I will choose books that are set in another culture or time or place, you know, among people with different customs and different you know, different belief systems, everything. It's kind of cool when your kids fall in love with characters and stories that are really, really different than anything they've experienced because in a way it becomes normal to them. It's not so different when they feel like they know the character and they're invested in their lives. And that is a really cool way to, to learn about other people who live totally different lives than we do. We can't live it, but we can live it in a book. Exactly. Novels help you to really immerse yourself and become part of that for a little while in your imagination, you know, so that it feels you, you can you can really picture it. You can live in it for just a little bit. Actually, I'm amazed by authors who are able to take like a historical fiction author who can take this other time and place and make it feel so right here for me. You know, like I transform yeah. to that spot and I imagine yeah. what it really would be like. And I do think that novels are an awesome way to teach tolerance, actually. They are because... For example, if you're if you're reading about Mughal India in history, that's one thing. It feels very, I don't know, it's fact-based, it's cookie-cutter. It, you can't really get into it. But if you're reading a novel about a girl who was raised in the Mughal court and you're immersed in her life and you see what she sees and you hear what she hears and you experience what she experiences, that's a whole different level. And all of a sudden you care and, yeah. you, and you remember her and you imagine what it would be like. You really apply the facts to you. Yeah. And the same is true of other types of differences. Like, you know, an African-American child growing up in the United States. Well, I live in the United States too, but their experience is still a little different than mine. Even though, you know, even within pretty small groups, we have really big differences between us. Actually, we really are more different than we're alike in a lot of ways. But I think learning to celebrate those differences and being amazed by them and fascinated is the key. Instead of saying, oh, everyone should be just like me. Yeah, that, that's provincial. You know, we, we call that a provincial attitude where you just focus on yourself and your entire worldview comes from the inside out instead of 
I think that's what education is supposed to do. It's supposed to break down those walls and help you open your mind beyond your own experience. Exactly. That's that's the point of it. I mean, if you if you didn't need that, you wouldn't need to be educated because your own experience would take care of it. Right. Yeah, You would know 100 percent from your own everyday life of, you know, everything, everything. I need to know I've lived. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not actually true. <laughs> So Karen, give me an example of something. Do you have something concrete that you have taught your kids maybe in history or geography that something that you can show? Well, I think one of the interesting things that's happened in my family is that it's probably because we love food. (laughs) But as we've learned about other places, one of the things that we've loved doing in our homeschool is trying foods from around the world. You know, when we study a country, we try a recipe from that place. And I don't know if immediately you would go, oh, that teaches tolerance, but it kind of does. We open our minds to new ways of eating and thinking about food. It's a big cultural aspect of who we are. It's funny because even like the simple spices that we use, I tend to use the same spices and herbs and seasonings in most of our food. We might have it on pasta or we might put it on potatoes or whatever, but I tend to use a lot of the same flavors again and again and again. But when we study other nations and we try their foods, it completely opens up our minds to new possibilities of how people live and what they choose. So that's just one. I don't know. Do you do much with food? Yeah, we I, I like doing food with the kids. And it's it's interesting. Sometimes we'll eat something and we're like, oh, wow, that's really good. Better than I expected, you know. Mm-hmm. And other times we're like, never again. Never, yeah, we can't <laughs> eat that. <laughs> when we tried Vegemite from Australia... We were not impressed. <laughs> Sorry, Australians. <laughs> but but I have friends in Australia who are like, you just didn't eat it right. You're not, it's not what you think it is. Well, and, and they have a problem with root beer. Most of the world most has us, a problem most, with root yes, beer. Yes, they do. Yeah, my son in Iceland, he had root beer for the first time in Iceland the other day. And he said, mom, it was so expensive because it's so hard to get here. <laughs> but he was dying to have a root beer and he saw one in a store. And he said in the couple of years he's lived there, He's never seen it, and people make fun of him for even mentioning root beer because that's so disgusting. (laughs) But he grew up with it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how we very much think that everyone should like the same things we do, but that's not the case. Yeah, really taste is learned, and, and, you know, physical taste as well as taste in music, taste in clothing, taste in whatever. Yeah, we appreciate what we're used to. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting when we try things outside of our comfort zone. And I think that the more you try it, the more open you become to trying it. Like my kids are pretty good now at tasting foods from around the world, even if they think they're going to hate it. They know what's in it and they go, I'm not going to like this, but they're still willing. They'll give it a shot anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that they're willing. Like that's a little bit tolerant. Yeah. And and there are things that I have learned to eat. Growing up, Karen and I never had Chinese food or Asian food of any kind because our dad doesn't really like it. So mom never made it. And so I had never, ever had it until I was an adult. Turns out I like it and I eat it a lot now. <laughs> but But you can change your taste. And the Asian food I eat is probably Americanized, but... Regardless, <laughs> it, it was a different taste. It was a different direction than I had gone. Yeah, it is funny how we grow up thinking that everything we eat is what everyone eats. Even when I went to college, all of a sudden, I learned about new foods that I had never heard of before. Yeah, just from, from my roommates, from your roommates. Mm-hmm. who were all American like me, you know. Yeah. And, 
but we we tend to think that what we experience is what everyone does. And it's awesome when you open up your mind to other things. So I love the geography explorations that are recipes from around the world. We almost always choose to do the recipe as we're learning about other places, just because it's so often very different than what we would make. None of them are ever like in our family favorites cookbook. It's all new experiences, but it's good to have new experiences. Yeah, it is. And sometimes though, uh, here's one thing that I like doing because uh, America is a land with a lot of people from all over. We do have a lot of different cuisine here. And so, you know, we eat Asian food, we eat Latin American food, we eat French food, we eat Mediterranean food. We have, we have a lot of different choices. We're a mix. However, like I said, most of it's probably pretty Americanized. So it's really fun to get like an authentic recipe the way they actually make it wherever they make it, you know, wherever yeah. it came from and then compare it to, well, this is fried rice in America and this is what they eat actually in China. You know, I have a friend who is from Mexico city. She lives in the United States now, but she's from Mexico city and she taught me how to make Spanish rice. And now I can't make it any other way because her recipe is better than any of the ones at the restaurants, anything I've ever had, it's my favorite, favorite, favorite way. And if you ever look it up online, you never see her recipe. And that wasn't like the recipe that they use in all of Mexico or anything. It was just her family's recipe. But I love it. It's really awesome when you can take someone else's actual experience and say, hey, teach me a little bit about your life or your country or your recipes, even your food, you know, something that simple can be a connection point for people as we meet people from other places too. Yeah. I, when we were in, when my husband was in the military, mm-hmm. there was another family and they were both Hispanic. He had been raised in the United States, but she was actually from Mexico and only spoke a little English. Okay. So, so she had this barrier, a language barrier there. I don't speak much Spanish. She didn't speak much English. So there was a language barrier, but man, can she make enchiladas and they were not <laughs> like the enchiladas that I had growing up. Like they were totally different. They were, yeah, they were authentic. You know, she grew up in Mexico. She makes them the way that they're made there. And they were so good. But because we had this connection through food, it was like, there was a little connection there. You could get over a little bit of the language barrier. Yeah. You got to know each other in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. yeah. I think very often it's those experiences that help us be tolerant because we stop seeing the difference and we start appreciating something about someone who's different, whether it's food or anything else. But what do you do? What's something that you do in your homeschool? Well, I like music. Well, I I don't like music. Okay. Technically (laughs) music to me is noise. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're not a fan of music, but, but that being said, I do enjoy listening to different culture. Like I love listening to, Polynesian music and you know their their drumming and stuff and I love listening to African music I like it in the cultural sense I don't just sit there and listen to it as I'm going throughout my day I don't you don't turn on the radio for fun yeah no but I do I know (laughs) most people do I'm weird I'm I'm different but (laughs) and yet I can be tolerant of you sometimes as long as we're not listening to music we can be tolerant of each other but no but um I, I do like when we're doing geography I like to bring up dances or music from other cultures, there are lots of YouTube videos of people from those countries doing the music or doing the dances. And it's so fun. I love it, love it, love it. I love it because that usually incorporates traditional music, traditional dance, and often traditional costumes. Yeah. And those three together just give you a 
taste of their culture in cool ways. One, one of the things that we've done is when we were learning about Nigeria, and this is from Unit 2-7, there is an exploration about the talking drum. When I first learned about this, I don't know how long ago, years ago, I first learned about talking drums. I was just floored. What? They use drums? And, you know, they actually use it to send a communication uh, over long distances. That's how they uh-huh. they would communicate. I think that in some parts of Nigeria, they still, like, people still use them in a real authentic way, not just as a, you know, this is part of our culture and so we're going to preserve it, but they're actually literally still using it. And it's just fascinating to me that people have invented this brilliant way of communicating over long distances with these drums that never ever would have occurred to a European, you know, like yeah. Europeans never thought of that. And so it's just, it's just fascinating. Sometimes you can look at something that we say, Oh, we have to be tolerant of that. And actually you go, no, we get to celebrate the coolness of that. You know, not everything is your same experience. That doesn't mean that it's wrong. Like what they have is novel and awesome. What a yeah. brilliant plan. And and something that's fun to do with kids when you're teaching them this, like with the talking drum, for example, we made a craft talking drum. Obviously, it's not a real talking drum, but it's a craft of a talking drum. And just that kind of just solidifies it in their minds and makes it fun and gets them involved and interested in it. It's a totally foreign culture. Very, very different from anything in our real everyday experience. Yeah. When we were doing the Netherlands... There was something that we did as a family that I try to do as often as I can. But we read a story from there. And it's a very classic story of the boy in the dike. That was oh yeah, no, very, very famous story from the Netherlands. But whenever possible, I love to incorporate stories too into what we're learning. Kind of like the food and the music and all of that. Learning the stories of other people helps you actually understand their values and why they believe the things they do and... It's just really enlightening when you read their stories, their fairy tales, all of that helps you understand who they are. Yeah, and you you know, like we've learned about Greek myths a lot of times in our homeschool. Mm-hmm. But as interesting as those are, somehow when Rick Riordan wrote his books about the Greek myths, you know, Percy yeah. Jackson those books, it made them even more real. Like it brought it immediacy. Like you might forget who these various gods and goddesses are, but not after you've read the Percy Jackson books. You know, you remember them then. Well, he has an amazing way of dovetailing modern life with these ancient beliefs. Yeah. He's so talented. Yeah. So have you heard about the, it's fairly new series of, it's called Rick Riordan Presents and it's different authors, but they are each writing about mythology from their own cultures. So for example, we I just read one that's about the main character is an African American boy and he gets sucked into this mythical world, right? And it's all about the Anansi tales and the tricksters and and stuff from African American mythology and culture that ultimately came from the west coast of Africa, you know. And it comes to life in the stories. And story. it comes to life in the stories. And to me like that it helps you immerse yourself in this other way of thinking. Like in the story, the storyteller has power. Like it's in the story, it's magical power. Like there's actual magical power. But when you think about what that meant to the culture of West Africans and African-Americans here, that stories have power. 
Yeah. When you think about that concept, it's like, wow, you know, that's not a way that I ever would have thought of it. But the fact that they, they think of it that way says something about their culture. Yeah. As we were studying prehistoric paintings, we don't know for sure why the prehistoric artists made the cave paintings that they did. But over and over, we see the animals that they hunted. And archaeologists believe that some of those paintings were created as a sort of hunting magic almost, where if they painted it, they would have good luck on the hunt. That's not a concept that I ever would think of like, oh, if I want to have good luck in my life, I should create this thing. And But then I was thinking about it and going, but I do make a shopping list. Like <laughs> I <luck>. create the <laughs> art to go and make it happen in the store, you know? So it's just interesting how different people from different places and times live differently, but then I can still connect the way I live to how they live in unique ways. Actually, I think that's an important part of teaching tolerance is that, yeah, there's a lot of differences, but look how much is the same. Because no matter where people live, there's a lot about us that's the same too. A lot of our human nature is yeah. the same. Yeah. The, the trappings, the outward things, the clothing might be different, the language might be different, but the way that we love our families that's going to be the same everywhere, yeah. you know, yeah. and the respect we give to people that have earned it in one way or another in our lives is going to be the same. The, the values are often the same. I think it's a really cool thing if we can somehow teach our kids that anyone who is different to you, you are different to them. Like they're looking at you and seeing how you're different in the same way you're looking at them and seeing how they're different. You know, yeah, like yeah. we tend to think that we're the normal and everyone else is different, but you kind of have to remind your kids, no, you're different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, when, when we lived in Hawaii, of course the Hawaiian people have, you know, tan skin, like it's darker skin and they've all got brown eyes. Right. And, and they have hair. very strong cultural ties and everything. They do. But when, when our children were born, we have white-skinned, blue-eyed, blonde kids, okay? Yeah. And so they, they would coo in awe over, oh, look at the blue eyes, look at the blue eyes. And I was a little taken aback. I was like, but that's normal. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, no, it's not. They all have brown eyes, you know? <laughs> I, I remember when mom and dad lived in China, everyone would talk about how beautiful American babies were. Like their Chinese friends would say that to them, that yeah. American babies are the cutest. They're so cute. And our mom and dad would say to them, no, Chinese babies are the cutest. And it's just so funny how we get these ideas about how we should look or how yeah. people look or what's cute or it's, it's all very subjective, but it is very experience-based. We're looking at something novel sometimes and going, oh, look. And I guess that's just part of human nature. We just do that. But it's not better to have brown eyes or blue eyes. Right. It's not better to have, you know, any of these defining things aren't better. It's just cool that we have all of the options, all of the differences. Along with learning through books and videos and experiences in your homeschool, like in school, don't you think travel is a big deal for helping to break down some of those? Yeah. And even if it's just traveling, you know, near or far, traveling to any experience other than what we do every day, can really open our minds, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's especially true in a world where we're inundated with messages. Like we hear about, oh, all the people who live here think that. 
or yeah. all of the people who live there do this. And we, we tend to get inundated with these messages that, that purposely are putting people in groups. And then we go and actually see those people and talk to those people and find out, oh, they're not actually all like that. They're like, you know, they're normal or they're, they're like me or they're, there's variety. And there are some things that we're the same on and some things that we're totally different on. Like yeah. the, the variety is, is the key to noticing. But right now we live in an area that is growing so, so rapidly. People are coming to, to our region from all over the place. And it's very much changing some of the definitions of who we are because we're having this influx of people with different experiences. But you hear a lot of comments about the growth often being a negative thing. And you hear a lot of comments generalizing who the people are who live here and what they believe and who the people are who are coming here and how they believe differently. And it's really interesting to see the groups clash but then when you actually talk to individuals, you don't see that clash. You actually see a whole ton of commonalities yeah. and similarities. And even people who are do have some fundamental different philosophies than you do are often really great people. I mean, like... And have some good ideas. And have, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not... No one is wholly bad, right? I mean... Yeah. It, we have some very... It's actually my, my kid's scoutmaster. They're... They have different political beliefs than we do and different religious beliefs than we do. And I'm sure have lived, they, they lived in California, lived in San Francisco before, before that they lived in Kansas. They, before that they lived in Texas, you know, they've, they've been in lots different of different places, different experiences. And they live up here now. And I absolutely love these people The the scoutmaster and his wife are, they are so good for our kids. They're doing such a great job with the, with the group of boys. And I'm, I'm so pleased with everything that's happening there. And it's like, they don't have to be exactly like me for me to like them. And I actually think that's one of the huge keys to teaching tolerance as a parent, parents who say that they're going to completely shelter their kids from anything different so that they make sure that they get their belief systems. I feel like that's a recipe for teaching intolerance. It's also a recipe for rebellion and rebellion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I want my kids to believe the same things that I do for the most part. You know, that's, that's, that's normal. Kind of what we hope as a parent. Yeah. But at the same time, I want them to experience a lot of other things and then explain to them why I choose what I choose. And then hopefully they will continue to learn and continue to grow on their own and develop their own mindsets and come to their own conclusions. But I've never felt afraid of them seeing how someone else lives or seeing someone else's choices. I don't know. Do you, I've known parents who do that, especially homeschool parents sometimes who very much want to shelter their kids. They, they over shelter. I've, I've seen it. I, I actually choose kind of the opposite. I do too. I, I tend to tell my kids, look, this is what I believe, but I think you should think about it and decide for yourself. Like you were talking about morning meeting. We'll mm-hmm. have a quote from someone or a poem or whatever it is, and we'll discuss it. And I try really hard not to just tell them what I think. I want to hear their ideas. I want them to come to their own conclusions. And I think the only way you can really come to your own conclusions and choose the best path for you is if you know what's out there. You have to explore it. You have to think deeply about it. I think you have to learn to articulate your thoughts about it. Yeah. So that you can explain it to others or write about it. Or even explain it to yourself. It's really easy to be swayed from what you think you believe if you don't know why you believe it. If it's just what you are doing because it's what you've done. And if you've never explored another 
option. Yeah. Or, you know, I would rather my kids understand more of the world's religions and belief systems and culture and all of that. I want them to have lots of experiences so that they can understand their own choices and not be blocked so that they have no option. But, you know, I don't want you to know anything except the way that I choose for you to live. I I don't feel like that's productive. No. And you're, you're not going to be satisfied with the results once they're an adult and they really can't choose for themselves. Yeah. And, And I don't think that you can really teach tolerance in that way either. We were speaking about travel before, and I couldn't help but think of one of our travels because, well, it was highly entertaining. <laughs> My husband took us to Belgium, and we were in Brussels, the capital of Belgium, and we were just exploring the downtown area. You had rented a car, right? We, we had rented a car. You're driving in a foreign country. And we weren't very good at identifying street signs. I kept Googling the signs and telling my husband, like, there was a point where we were going the wrong way on a one-way street. And, you know, several times he said, Google that sign. I don't know what the traffic is doing here. (laughs) You know, we probably should have gone into it a little more prepared than we did. But there we were (laughs) in traffic (laughs) trying to figure out what we were doing. And then we came across this big plaza and it was beautiful. It was amazing castles and architecture all around and we were just in awe and we were looking at these buildings and just wow wow our eyes could not be peeled from this site because it was gorgeous and we're driving through this plaza and all of a sudden we realize we are the only car in the plaza (laughs) we were driving on a pedestrian only plaza (laughs) because we didn't know what we were doing And my husband was just, he rolled down his window and said, sorry, I'm an American. It was so ridiculous. We were like the the typical Americans in that moment of being just so horrendously (laughs) self-centered that we didn't notice what was going on around us. I'm not stating this as a good example of how to be. (laughs) Very fun memory. Very grateful this happened because we're still laughing about it many, many years later. But at the same time... Teaching tolerance, part of that is learning ahead of time before you go to a place, before you visit somewhere, learn about their customs, learn a little bit of their language. You know, you're not going to be able to speak, but you might want to know how to ask where the restroom is, you know, well, say please and thank you. When you got back home, don't you feel like, okay, I feel a lot more compassion for people who are visiting here or or recent immigrants. Yeah. All of a sudden, most of the places we've gone, we won't drive because, you know, when we go to a country that has such different laws than us, we say, you know what, we should probably take public or, transportation yeah. or, you know, do something. Get a driver or something. In in Europe, we had felt like, oh, they're they're so similar to, to us. You know, we feel connected. <laughs> but clearly we need to do a little bit more research. But it is important to know a little bit before you go and visit a place. And it's not so different when you're just going to meet someone from a place or meet someone who is different than you take the opportunity to learn a little bit so you're not driving through a pedestrian only plaza (laughs) yelling out your window or or (laughs) saying things that are offensive a lot of times things that are offensive in the united states are not offensive in other places and vice versa like you want to be sure that you're not saying something really rude to someone yeah and it's (laughs) it's difficult sometimes when i've traveled to you know, Arabic countries, it's really 
difficult for me to follow all of their customs because I'm very much treated like a second class citizen as a woman. And so I always have a hard time. What do you think, Michelle? Do you just completely immerse yourself in a culture and accept it? I don't know. I've never traveled much. But but honestly, I think maybe it depends on the circumstance in the exact country. I treated it kind of as, hey, if I walk into a mosque, I need to obey their customs. That's yeah. respectful. Yeah, that's respectful. But if I'm walking down a busy street, I still try to dress modestly, but I'm maybe not in full. Right. You're not going to completely cover yourself. Or... Right. I don't know. I think you need to be thoughtful and kind and I don't think it hurts to ask, especially if you've got a guide. Yeah. Just ask them, is what I'm wearing going to cause a problem? Or should I, you know, what do I need to do? Or, you know, you can ask. I think they'd be more appreciative of that than, of that than you just bumbling through and doing something that gets people hurt. Well, and it really does make you think about what's acceptable around you. You know, we have things culturally that we expect. We have expectations. Yeah. And... It's good to examine our own expectations and say, where does that come from? Why do we do things the way we do? Mm -hmm. Because it is different in other places. And you want to be respectful of other people's customs because behind customs are beliefs. And you don't want to completely disregard people's beliefs, even if it's not your own. When you're in their yeah, home. Especially when you're in their home, exactly. You, you can be respectful of those things. And for me, that's given me a chance to talk to my kids about that you know this is what they believe why don't we believe that why do we see things differently how do you see things you know mm -hmm. and I think it's really good to open your mind and explore some of those things it's good for you to question yourself too don't you think you can't question yourself until you've seen a different way of doing it like yeah you, we, you can't know yourself until you've seen another way we really do just think we're normal yeah and everybody else is weird and we're just as weird as everybody that's true. It's just we're our own brand of weird. I remember when I, I was young, but I found out that the British call the front cover of their car a bonnet. And I was like, why are they calling it a bonnet? That sounds stupid. And then I realized, oh, we call it a hood. It's the same word, people. <laughs> synonyms. Yeah. yeah, we just think that our way is normal because that's the only thing we've known. Right. But, but it is really interesting. When you see differences, you learn more about yourself. Yeah. And I think you just have to be willing to be open-minded and talk to your kids constantly about how not just other people are different than you, but how you're different than other people, you know, how you came across those things. Tolerance, I think, is a natural byproduct of a really thriving homeschool. I think it happens when you're exploring the world and really digging into learning about other people and places and times, you will quickly see that your lifestyle and your way is just one small pocket of society. And tolerance just naturally happens when you learn to appreciate all of the other things that are happening around you. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.